At $200, a Super Nintendo setup costs twice as much as the old system. For the money, the company promises better pictures, sound, and adventure. Now you're playing with power, super power. You're the king, I tell you! You're king! Only for Super NES. Listening to the SNES podcast with your host, Soul Blazer. Hello, everybody. This is Super NES Podcast. Uh, I am Greg, joined by always by Joe. Hello. And we are bringing you today episode number 219. Um, a pick that I want to say was Joe's because he's more experienced with he's more experienced with this game, and I assume uh, uh, the franchise than I do. Uh, we're looking at Super NES port of Jungle Strike. Uh, which I know from talking to Joe off mic a little bit, he's mostly his play in the Genesis, so I'm curious to see what he thinks about the Super NES version of the game. Um, I have never played Jungle Strike on Super NES. Uh, on Super NES, I, 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 um, you know, I play the game, I, uh, I also play the game like other systems as well, too. So, uh, so in a way, this is both familiar and not familiar to us at the same time. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, so uh, why don't we open up a little bit, Joe, by just... I was just basically saying uh, your like, your history, the, your history and your exposure, um, exposure of the game and the franchise, the franchise, the franchise. Because I think you probably gonna have more to say on this than I do. So, yeah. So this is one of those games that um, I think I originally rented it, brought it home, and it was literally just one it's of those. It's a good those, rental. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was just one of those. You know, I flew around, I shot things, blew things up, and. When the weekend was over, I gave it back to Blockbuster, um, and I didn't think anything of it. Um, but apparently, at some point, my mom or my dad, but I'm going to say most likely my mom, um, must have found a copy of it cheap for the Genesis and ended up, uh, you know, becoming part of my permanent library. Um, this is a game that, like, I have experience with it. But I don't have as much experience as I do now because it was one of those, um, how do, I don't know, how do I explain this? I just like to mess around. So, like, if I'm in the mood to just get in a helicopter and go shoot things, I pop in Jungle Strike. That, that was <laughs> kind of my mindset. Like, it wasn't I'm going to do the missions, I'm going to go, you know, try to get and beat this game. It was just one of those, like, okay, I want to go fly around and shoot things, so... I pop in Jungle Strike, and uh, that was very much the experience I had growing up with this game, um, which, of course, kind of jolted the system when we decided to cover it here for the podcast, because uh, there's actually a lot going on in this game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the only problem with yes, yeah, so us having made our list months, months in advance is that I don't really remember at this point which one of us would pick this game. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I'm pretty sure it's you because I, because I said you have more experience with this game franchise than I do, so um, I'm pretty sure this was uh, uh, your pick, but... I'm, I'm pretty sure this was my pick just because I know uh, the next pick was yours. Oh, yes, so. definitely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, but, but uh, yeah, so... Um, um, so I like so I am curious as why I pick this game and I pick this game like not the other games in the franchise which are also on the system but system but we'll get to that like later on so um, 
That's actually a good segue. I knew going to this podcast that there were other that there were other that there were other strike games. The yeah. franchise, um, uh, the franchise, the franchise is just simply called Strike, by the way. So, right. but um, I knew there were other games. I didn't realize how many games that there had been released like, in the <laughs> series because uh, because because it was the first three games in the series. Desert Strike nineteen ninety two, Jungle Strike nineteen ninety three, and Urban Strike Urban Strike nineteen ninety four. That 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 reported the most systems uh, systems and got the most attention. So uh, the later games, Soviet Strike nineteen ninety six and Nuclear Strike nineteen ninety seven, um, it looked like they're good games. They just didn't get the press or the coverage that the other games did for various reasons. Yeah, and I I have to say like Nuclear Strike was definitely the pinnacle of the series. Um, it had those great really cheesy full motion video cutscenes and um, obviously it, like when i played it it was a playstation game um yeah, and yeah. It, so it it had great sound effects uh crystal clear sound effects which was you know nice for the for the time yeah. and uh the graphics were i mean for the time they were incredible um now yeah. they haven't aged very well but you yeah. know it is what it is but yeah nuclear strike is definitely uh one that i have a soft spot for right uh, there actually was a planned trilogy, uh, tro- trilogy that works called Super Strike Trilogy, tro- tro- with the first three games of the franchise planned for the <laughs> Sega CD, but it never came out. That's um, too bad. Uh, um, later on, later on, um, uh, later on, Electronic Arts, uh, um, uh, 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 who were the original creators and creators and publishers of the, of the game, uh, did release, um, uh, um, a collection called EA Replay, uh, that has mm-hmm. something, that, um, yep. uh, uh, that that sent the strike games on it, but um, there was a planned six game in the franchise uh, that called that called Future Strike. Um, that um, but that game ended up going through a lot of changes. So changes eventually came out as like and eventually came out as a totally different game called Future Cop LAPD. Oh, so, okay. Um, so if you, like if you play that game, know the DNA of that game comes from Future Strike. So, and that makes so much sense because Future. Uh, Future LAPD is literally like you're in a mech, yes, but you're doing yeah. the same thing that you're doing in the strike games right, where you're yeah. just, you're going around, you're shooting missiles, you're gunning people down. Uh, so yeah, I, wow. I, I love future, <laughs> future LAPD was probably one of the first games that I got for my, uh, PC back in late 98. Yeah. Late 98 it was summer of 98 when I got my PC and, uh, it was the one game that I could oh, run. Oh, it also says here in the box it came a comic book. So that's a nice touch. Oh, nice. Yeah, it. But it was like the one game that could run at like eight hundred by six hundred and still <laughs> look fantastic, um, and not you know slow down or anything like that with my onboard video. So yeah, I. That's a lot another of early game. games. A lot of early games were designed for that resolution as their max. I'm thinking like Doom, Command and Conquer. Right, right. Um, but uh, I mean, a lot of the you know you know a lot of the classics from the '90s. You know, that's where they ran at because that's the most that CRT bonders like support. So yeah, yeah. But nowadays, I, I, nowadays, I, I, nowadays, I think the smallest resolution that you can even go is like 1024 by 768. So but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, things yeah things have to come a long way. Um, the series has the series has come a long way too because uh, all five of these games are very similar to one another in gameplay. I'm mean, like you know we can talk about generalizations that would make for the franchise. will like will like like accurately describe Jungle Strike pretty well uh, pretty well. Like, then we can focus upon what makes Jungle Strike uh, unique and or different. Yeah. Basically, ba- basically each game in the franchise you're commanding a 
your command, you start off with at least a high tech helicopter. Mm -hmm. uh, you do get you you you, you do get to control other vehicles in some games a short periods of time, which is a nice touch. So, uh, um, uh, but basically, you basically basically you're in a helicopter with a co-pilot, uh, flying around on a 2D well. Well, 2.5D graphic, uh, yeah. a, 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 um, a graphic engine, uh, just like going around the map, blowing things up, trying to stay alive, um, all being told to you in a story, like like story that's very 90s. Um, yeah. You know, like the um, you know the gameplay is also like very 90s, you know, 90s because it's a shooter. And the shooter, the shooter that I think people in the '90s loved and craved because of like Doom and whatnot. Right. But nowadays, I think people want more meat to their shooters. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I think it's a reason why this franchise has stayed in '90s, '90s, '90s. Like well, EA has never tried to do a revival, a revival of it. So um, also the plot in many of these games, uh, it, it, like it's also like very heavy um, '90s. You know, very like raw, raw Americans, uh, semi American <laughs> right wing. Um, um, uh, uh, as far as it, as far as it goes, yeah, I, I mean, still, it's funny, still, but yeah, it's also I, it's also definitely yeah, it's also definitely a, it's also definitely like a product of its time. Yeah, I was gonna say like the the story in Desert Strike is you know Saddam Hussein and yeah. his regime and whatnot. So it's like by the time you beat Desert Strike, you've toppled Saddam Hussein's. Uh, empire and then you know spoiler here on jungle strike uh you're dealing with his son um yeah. because you know saddam's dead <laughs> so yeah. now now you have to deal with his son and it's still bill clinton as president which is fantastic um and yeah it's it's just one of those things like this really takes you back in time and sets you in that period of like 1992 93 94 that time period right so yep yeah definitely uh Yep. So uh, we might as well. Yeah, since you already brought it up, brought it up. <laughs> like, might as well just finish covering the plot uh, because they're because it's interesting. They do they do try to do a plot in this game. I mean, there's cutscenes and whatnot. So yeah. there actually is. So you actually have something to look forward to uh, when you finish a mission. But like the bugs before, the plot's actually like very like basic, kind of like bare bones, like very nineties, whatever. So. Yeah. So you've got two bad guys. One of them's the son that Jordy Jordy mentioned, like they mentioned, like the first game. The, the other guy is a South American like drug lord. Mm -hmm. So um, the game basically opens up with them trying to do uh, um, a nuclear attack, planning 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 to do a nuclear attack like the U.S. Um, um, and you are hired, uh, or basically not really hired, kind of like recruit or whatever to go out and to go to, to, to go through, to, to go out in this copter and stop them so uh, like to go to the games the games the the games various like various stages yeah. um you know you're never really described very well very well in the games in the games like, you're just like a lone <laughs> a lone special forces pilot uh very cocky of your uh, um uh you know like very you know you know very arrogant kind of like you know like um uh doesn't you know, it doesn't seem to take things seriously. So yeah. it's kind of you're kind of surprising to see you're kind of um, it's kind of surprising to see a power who's like the laid back and chill, uh, nonchalant like about things. So see, and and I would agree with you if this game was made today, but this was made in the nineties. Yes, exactly. So, he yeah. was that way in Desert Strike as well, and yeah. like you think about the times, like what was popular and what was kicking off, and it, it was like Sonic and like uh, Arrow Actabat and like you know different mascots like that who had attitude. Like attitude was all about what was going on. You even had like 
the Looney Tunes, you know, Bugs and Daz and Taz, geez, Daz, Taz, <laughs> you know, wearing their clothes backwards and trying to be cool and all this other stuff. So, like, it was definitely an attitude of the time for sure. And uh, this game definitely captures that. And I agree. Like, you know, he's a cocky little pilot, but also, like, you know, considering he, you know, he toppled Saddam Hussein and it took us, what, 22 years to finally do that? So, uh, you know, he's got every right to be cocky. <laughs> right. So. He did it in one game. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so Jekyll Strike uses the same engine pretty much as we mentioned that the Desert Strike, uh, Desert Strike, it's like the games also use. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually, uh, the game engine, the game engine actually came over like when they attempted a flight simulator, uh, um, which kind of makes sense to think about it because... Yeah. Uh, EA was trying to uh, like so EA was trying to do a flight sim t- to see if they could compete with like the, um, uh, Microsoft's Microsoft's uh, uh, flight simulator, uh, but the end results in the end decided just to turn into this game instead. So uh, the game also took heavy inspiration from uh, the, the game also took heavy the game also took heavy heavy inspiration from both Matchbox Toys, um, which again kind of makes sense when you think about it. Right. Um, uh, and a game I love dearly, uh, which is a um, uh, uh, like an old classic computer game which I grew up with, uh, Choplifter, um, mm. uh, which we have covered the sequel to that game on this podcast previously because because the sequel, pseudo sequel at least, came up with Super NES as well too. Choplifter has, Choplifter has some Choplifter has some has some similar similar concepts. You're basically just piloting a helicopter, fighting enemy lines. Trying to destroy uh, enemy forces uh, and blow up buildings to rescue to rescue hostages and trying to get like um, and the goal and and the, and the goal of the game is just to get as many of the sixty four people back uh, back to safe back to safety alive alive well as you can so um, so um, so the, yeah so yeah so Junko Strike uh, was as a yeah, Junko Strike uh, uh, the whole those Strike franchise I already mentioned previously previously was developed and published by EA by EA. Uh, the original game, Jungle Strike, the original, the original console that, that this game came out for, Genesis. The Genesis is the one that's one that's one that was designed for. Electronic Arts developed, published the game on the system because they didn't have a contract with Nintendo at the time. Um, you know, however, however, because of the success of Desert Strike, uh, the, um, they licensed out, they licensed out the, the game to other companies to port to various systems. Uh, and the, because this game did, because, the, because this game did come out, come out on a lot of systems. Um, uh, Besides Genesis, it also came out uh, for DOS, uh, the Amiga, the Amiga, the, the Amiga CD32, uh, the Game Gear, the Game Boy, um, uh, and eventually, and eventually, like through the collection, the PSP. Yeah. So, uh, as well as, as well as Super NES, the company that handled the Super NES port of the game is called Gremlin Interactive. Uh, they were a British company, so therefore most of their games were British, uh, British and/or European based, and probably we don't know much of them much of them here in the West. Uh, because a lot of their games did stay in Europe. However, some of their games did come over here in the West. Uh, they have a pretty good track record. Um, you know, uh, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, they had, you know, they had some successes. Uh, they were, uh, the company was around 1984 to 2003. Uh, we probably know the best here, best here in North America, like for the Zool games, uh, mm. the Premier Manager, the, Pre- the Premier Manager games, which are the, um, you, which were their, you know, which were the, which the Premier Crop Soccer games, like for a long time. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Motorhead, Fatal Racing. Um, uh, what else did they do? Come over? They, they, they came over here. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of car racing games. Um, 
the actual sports franchise, uh, but it was also theirs. So um, they also did a port of Hero's Quest, uh, um, sorry, uh, Hero Quest, the, the board game for various systems as well. So uh, yeah, pretty good company for the most part. Just most of their games think about here, like in the um, fight North America, because they were a British company, so more games were designed with like, a European sense, a European sensibility. So were they behind the uh, unreleased? NES port as well for HeroQuest? I did not look that up. Uh, let me see here. Because, uh, I mean, I've played that prototype. That's actually a very good um, conversion of the board game to a video game. They did a great job. So if that was them, kudos to them. I don't know. Um, uh, um, I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to look it up like right now. It uh, looks like... Uh, Trying to see if anything on here says. See. So, uh, if you listeners don't know, while Greg's looking that up, I am a oh, yes. huge fan uh, of Hero Quest. <laughs> you're, you're right. Gremlin was behind that project. Okay. Yeah. So, and and that was a fantastic prototype that I played. Um, yeah. Obviously, you could tell it's unfinished, but um, what is there is fantastic. And it actually, um, for other Hero Quest fans out there, um, it actually takes um, the prototype, I think, has the first five quests that are actually in the actual quest book of the board game. So it's kind of cool to be able to play those and have those visual effects to the. Well, if you do want to play the game complete, Hero Quest did come out for various computers. Uh, so it'd be very easy to play that nowadays, like an emulation. It came up oh, for the. Okay. Uh, you know, it came up for the Amiga, the Atari, the Commodore 54, DOS. Um, uh, there was even a sequel. Uh, um, um, a sequel made uh, as well to Hero Quest Two, uh, like the I mean, like for the Amiga systems. So, oh, all right. Um, well, guess what? I'm gonna have to be looking for after the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you got. Yeah, I'm sure about the C64 and DOS versions that run very well in emulations. Uh, today, yeah, yeah. So, but uh, anyway, so yeah, uh, Gremlin was eventually bought out by Infogrames, uh, who became Atari. Um, most of the. Um, uh, <clears throat> Uh, most of the trademarks of most most trademarks for Gremlin, however, are not owned by Warner Brothers because Atari mm. sold a bunch of their stuff a while a while back to raise money. So um, anyway, so um, I took a look at the Genesis original as well as well for this. It looks like for the most part, Gremlin did an excellent job uh, putting this game over. I thought uh, it plays very 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 close to Genesis original. Yeah. Uh, um, just like a few uh, a few minor tweaks to be expected for different consoles. Uh, but all in all, like it's a very impressive port. So, um, um, did you also did you also think it was a, so? Did you also think it was a good port, uh, Joe? Yeah, I actually thought this was a very good port. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you played Genesis version, like you said originally. So yeah, but, yeah, and um, I, I didn't. Um, I was I planned on going back and playing the Genesis version, and I just didn't get around to it. Fair um, enough. But from what I remember, like to me. I didn't notice anything different, but then again, like I said, I didn't go back to play the Genesis one, so I couldn't really compare. Um, but yeah, everything felt the same here. Um, the missions are fantastic for what they are, um, but we'll get into that with the gameplay and whatnot. But, well, uh, that's fine for segue. Go ahead the gameplay then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I will give you a heads up um, to... For this game in today's age, it is going to probably take you a little while to get used to the controllers. Um, it, it took me a little while to get used to once again, 
but um, up moves you forward, down moves you backwards, left and right makes you bank as you fly. Um, it works rather well, um, and it's pretty good to, you know, be able to coast through open spaces and whatnot. Um, but, um, targeting your weapons on the other hand, isn't as precise. Um, depending on the co-pilot you select, that actually changes how, uh, things are. Yeah. That um, was an aspect of the game I really liked. The co-pilot yeah. actually has a difference. Uh, the, the, the co-pilot actually, it, the co-pilot, the co-pilot many of these games is just here for flavor, but yeah. this game, it actually has a difference. It has a difference of gameplay. So, yeah. And like my strategy was basically, um, you know, fire off a couple bullets to kind of get an idea of where you're hitting. And then from there, uh, once you got it zeroed in, then you can just unload with your other, um, ammunition whether that be you know the hydras or the hellfire missiles because um those are limited ammo and you don't want to waste those <laughs> right um the maps are rather large you know for what they are um i'd say it takes generally about average 30 to 45 minutes to complete an entire level depends um, upon your skill level they also upon like um uh, the stage. Uh, most long plays of this game online average around three hours, give or take a little bit. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, I was taking my time, but I was also like, this is the first time, you know, like I discussed, <laughs> this is like the first time I was actually doing the missions and everything. So, <laughs> um, you know, you got several missions that you can do, and you have to do them, obviously, you know, to successfully clear an area. Um, there's a good amount of variety in them. Um, there are, you know, you'll have to find a set of targets and destroy them. Um, you'll conduct rescue missions, capture nuclear material, collect intelligence, um, by, uh, you know, capturing enemy leaders at one point. Uh, there's an escort mission where you have to escort, um, there's a couple, I think two escort missions, if I remember correctly. One the and one of them, the end, uh, yeah, you have yeah. to escort the president um yeah uh they kind of mixed it up this game um not only do you have the apache helicopter but you also get a hovercraft um you can get a motorcycle and a b1 bomber um out of all these in my opinion the hovercraft was probably the best one um, I I felt the most, yeah, so. driving around on the motorcycle was, I'd rather be in my helicopter and yeah. the B1 bomber to me just, it did, it did not work that well. Um, but just to make a couple of small one of the biggest things like I, think that, um, I should mention here is this game and, and you might agree with me. You might not. This game feels slow and it's not so much that the game is slow. I think the maps are so large and kind of empty that it feels like you're moving slower than you actually are. Um, yeah, I agree with that. That being said, uh, this game, <laughs> let me tell you, this game opens up, mwah, chef's kiss, almost perfection. Um, <laughs> you can't make this up. Like Your first order of business in this game is uh, to basically shoot and destroy um, as I described it, all the Winnebago's and VW buses with, uh, people with rocket launchers, uh, for, <laughs> trying to fire missiles at you in the capital, um, of Washington, DC. Um, 
<laughs> that was yeah. uh, definitely a fun mission uh, to go around and do that. But yeah, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, gameplay is pretty solid. Um, you know, obviously you got your you know choice of either just using your guns, then you got your hydras and your hellfire missiles. Um, and it's a good variety there. And like I said, being able to switch, uh, vehicles, um, is kind of nice because it kind of just shakes things up. But, um, you know, it's the hovercraft is really, in my opinion, the only good alternative vehicle that they give you. Um, <laughs> but on that second, uh, mission, um, using that hovercraft to take down an entire submarine was ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> talk about a scenario that you just like, what? <laughs> that was definitely interesting. But, uh, yeah, kind of like a James yeah. Bond movie. What about you, Greg? <laughs> yeah, the whole bit. Yeah, exactly. I hope it's kind of like a James Bond movie, if that for sure. So, uh, yeah, so, uh, I agree with most of what you said. Um, um, just to make a couple of small corrections here, because uh, uh, um, uh, a small correction of what you said, just you know, you, you know, just so nobody calls it out for it. Mm -hmm. um, the helicopter, the helicopter you find in this game is actually supposed to be a bit. Um, um, it's actually supposed to be um, a, um, a um, uh, like an enhanced version, uh, like of a Comanche, like attack helicopter. Yep. Uh, and you're flying, and uh, and later on, like, um, later on, you're flying not a B one, uh, but actually, uh, but actually like a different jet. But actually, like a different jet called the F one seventeen. Oh, okay. So the F one seventeen Nighthawk was actually like um, uh, a stealth attack, uh, uh, stealth attack, uh, stealth, stealth attack air, uh, uh, aircraft. So, but anyway, oh, okay. um, as far as the yeah, as far as the maps go, um, I uh, I don't think the maps are actually that huge. I think the reason they feel huge like because you're actually um, you like you're actually flying and that and flying and, uh, and as a result the the overall gameplay I thought. Kind of on the slow side. I mean, you know, you yeah. think a helicopter is being fast, but you're not really flying around the map. The map very, very, very fast. You're not zipping around. Like you would, um, you know, like I think most people would expect to do in a game like this. It, it, like, um, uh, most stages, most stages, the gameplay is very much more slow and methodical. Just like you know, you're trying to go around, you know, circling around enemies and circling enemies. Like you actually manage to hit them with something, right. uh, which which goes back to the which goes back to the targeting problem that Joe was talking about earlier. <laughs> um, um, and like, you know, trying to blow up buildings to find bonuses or rescue, rescue people, like, or whatever, and just like, you know, go engaging bosses. Um, it's fine for what it is, but again, it's like, the, but, but, but again, it's like the gameplay now versus then really comes into uh, stark contrast here of this, uh, yeah. uh, 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 for sure, because like the, the gameplay is perfectly fine still, don't get me wrong, but you know, it's very, it's much more, but it, it's much more slower paced methodically methodical methodical like a um a helicopter shooter uh and like joe said the controls do take a while to get the hang of once you get the hang of it it's fine so um targeting never really feels 100 percent right but at least you get to the point of the game where it's like you can at least like a, a organized like managed to maintain something there in like two or three tries right um you know unless it's you know um you know it, it, it's people it's, it's the people with the hardest things to hit because they yes. hit because they have small hit the small hit boxes <laughs> right uh cars tanks ships those are fine usually because it's like you have a big hitbox to work with but uh yeah people people yeah people with missile launchers can definitely like drive you uh, drive you nuts yeah especially especially in the game before you actually like get used to things so um we already talked about the graphics a little bit here. The graphics, um, um, you know, the engine uses 
you know, the interviews is like a two and a, um, uh, which now call it 2.5D perspective. It wasn't called right. that back then, but, um, you know, but, but, but it really is the perspective of what it is. Um, I don't, yeah, I think the graphics look pretty good. I mean, you know, like the helicopter, the helicopter's large, it's large, well defined. Um, enemies look good. Um, there's a variety of stages. Uh, the car, um, uh, the car, the, the, the backgrounds car, the, the, the backgrounds car and car pilots for those are pretty lacking. You can tell they did asset swaps for many of the stages, but, um, but, you know, but, you know, but, you know, but, you know, know, at least the helicopter, at least the helicopter enemies like look good. Yeah. And one of the, the nice little, uh, tricks that they pulled that I kind of liked was, uh, there's a nighttime, uh, jungle infiltration mission that you got to do. And it's really cool. It's it's dark. Um, you know, you really get that feel for it's at night. And then you have your targets kind of lit up a little bit. And then when you fire your missiles and it makes contact with the target and it, it explodes, it lights up the entire map. And it looks like it's daylight. And then it goes back to black. I thought that was really cool how they did that. Not something huge, but, you know, it was one of those nice little details that I didn't expect to find in a game like this. Normally it would be like, oh, it's nighttime. You blow something up. It's whatever. But, you know, they they really uh, paid attention to the details there. Yeah, exactly. So um, music is fine for what it is. uh, uh, to be honest, I the music was actually with that. Um, yeah, um, I thought at least the music, the music, the music was one of the weaker points the, about the game because it's like it's pretty forgettable. I mean, it's not like a very. It's a fine soundtrack. It is what it is, but it's it is, but it's like shooters usually live or die by soundtracks, and like this one is a very meh soundtrack. I thought like overall, I mean, yeah. it sounds fine. It just it sounds fine. It's just not very inspired. Yeah, and this is this is one of my biggest problems with this game. So my uh, exact quote in my notes was music, where, and what. <laughs> um, so there <laughs> yeah, is no background either, music. So, yeah. When you're playing yeah. through the missions, there is no music at all, which is really weird. Um, but yet, you know, they, they had decent music for the opening title, and for the yeah. cutscenes, there's, you know, decent music that fits the mood. Um, yeah. But, like, I don't know if, like, they just couldn't get, like, the the sound effects to work properly with the background music or something like that. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. Like, is yes. it going for, like, a realistic approach to where, like, you're legit in an, a, a helicopter, so therefore you could don't be, yeah. really have music, you know? Um, which could be argued because people do still listen to music in helicopters. Anyways, um... <laughs> But yeah, this was, uh, I agree, one of the weakest points of the game, unfortunately. Yeah, I, yeah, I was trying to get the point across that actually there was no, there was no in-game music, but you know, but, but, but you know, it's like, but you know, it's like, but even the opening music and, and the cutscene music or whatever is not, it's still not great. I yeah, yeah, it's nothing to write home so. about. It's um, serviceable. <laughs> The sound effects, however, like, are excellent. I mean, oh, you know, yeah. the helicopter blades, uh, the, uh, um, the, shoot, the shooting the guns, the death, sc- um, uh, death screams. Yep. Uh, very good sound effects. Yeah, uh, the sound effects the board, are so. very satisfying. I actually really yeah. like that. So, yeah, no problems there. The main, the main gripe I have about gameplay is the fact that I, it's the fact that the, it's the fact that developers went with a streamlined approach, uh, which was no information, no information. To it all on the screen. Right. Um, you have to actually like you have to go into your status screen to find out actually how much fuel you have left and how much armor you have left. So or you uh, just I, crash. 
<laughs> yeah, or that too, which also would just like very aggravating. I mean, I like having games on screen. It's like yeah. you know, it's like you know, I, I've never liked games that try to do a very, a very, like a very minimalistic approach, approach like that. It's like it's like you know, if it's important, show it to, show it to the player like all the time. Yeah, yeah, but, I agree. So um, that's just you know that you know uh, that's the biggest gripe I have about the gameplay. But um, but you know that said that that said you can work around it at least. So. Yeah. Um, so we like so we already co- yes we already covered yes we already are uh, yes we already the, the covered the controls. Yep. Uh, here's a point that got some controversy because people kind of feel different ways about this. Um, overall difficulty. Uh, what do you think about the overall difficulty like this game, Joe? I thought it was okay. I I don't. So it's like what we discussed earlier. It's the small hitboxes on the humans um, that really kind of kills it. Because when you're firing at buildings or vehicles, it's it's satisfying. It feels great. Um, but when I have to circle and strafe and, you know, continually use my machine gun to mow down one little guy with a rocket launcher while he's hitting me every single time he's firing his mm-hmm. rocket launcher, yep. <laughs> uh, that just makes things super frustrating. And there's certain points in the in the game, like, where you have missions where you don't have a choice. Like, you have to take out these little guys. Like, it's part of the mission. So it, it's just one of those things where it's like... I get where they were going. Like, obviously, it's a smaller target. You're going to have a harder time hitting it with your giant helicopter. But at the same time, like, it's a game. It doesn't have to be super realistic. And it, it I just think it would have been a little bit better if they would have increased the hitbox even, uh, like, 50%. If they would have increased it just by 50%, that would have been enough to be able to at least hit them. Um, and it would have been a much more enjoyable game, and that wouldn't have been as much of an aggravation if the targeting, the targeting like were better also. But right, right. Um, but again, given, but again, given, but again, given the pads, the controls you had to work with, the time periods, I'm not sure how. The, um, uh, 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 I'm really not sure how much. Uh, like I'm really, I'm really not sure. I'm really like not sure what else they could do. Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe have like a lock on button. Um, you know, like push one button to lock on and flat the button to shoot. Yeah, that would have um, been nice. But I mean at that point, like then you're you're using your missiles probably more than they want you to. And well you know, those are also contr- in limited yeah. supply. So yeah. I, like I don't know, like I would like to see how like this game would be on, say, one of like the microcomputers, like a uh, Amiga or you know an Atari ST or something like that. You know where you have a joystick and you have the extra buttons to do all this other stuff. Like I, I think it would play better in that scenario than with the D-pad and the, you know, six buttons available on the Super Nintendo controller. Yeah, possibly, uh, uh, possibly for sure. So, um, but yeah, so, um, yeah, that, yeah, that combination, that combination about the hitboxes and, uh, uh, like, and also targeting, then also targeting adds most of the frustration to this game because it's like, um, it, it's, uh, like, it's a little bit like Wizard of Oz from last week, actually. Yeah. Um, uh, last episode, it was like, where it's like, where it's like, there are things here that add aggravation to the player, but whereas in that case, 
where we kind of attribute it to more like sloppy programming or a rush development cycle. And this one, like in this case, like in this case, I think, like in this case, I think it was more the developers trying to make the game hard on purpose. Right. Um, uh, 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 um, uh, you know, like these things because the games, because, because, the, game, because the games are well programmed. I mean, you know, uh, um, you know, it, 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 like, um, so, um, and also, uh, most of the, there, there were some complaints from reviewers of the time period about this, but about this, but about this, but our, but, but our griping, if you're griping, seems, seems to be more of a modern complaint as well, too, which also, which also says a lot. Um, uh, most, most, um, you know, some people felt the game's too difficult because of the combination of what we just talked about and also some of the boss enemies, like, being like, very, very difficult. Yeah. Um, other people, however, um, other people, however, like, thought the game was, like, too easy. So, uh, it's just one of those weird cases where I guess your skill level and your experience of games of this type going into it makes, it makes a huge impact as, it, as to how easy, quote-unquote, you find the game or not. Yeah, and, like, I, I can see how some of the enemies could be considered easy. Like, when you're, in, like, in that second mission where you're on the hovercraft and you're having to, like, you know, take on the submarine. Like, sure. You know, the submarine can only shoot in X amount of directions, and it can only shoot X amount of times. And so it leaves itself open to where you can maneuver yourself easily around and continually to shoot the submarine. And yeah, it's a bullet sponge, obviously. Um, but, you know, eventually you can take it down with this little hovercraft. So I can see where, you know, there are those people who think it's easy, and then those who think it's you know maybe a flux challenge because um is is it right that that submarine should be a, a bullet sponge just because it's much larger than you are um or you know was it too easy because it only has a certain range as far as firing so yeah i think it really comes down to the perspective and what you are um kind of what, what you said your, your skill set you know if this is the type of game that you play and you're good at, good at it, you're probably going to find it to be easy. Um, if this is not something that you normally would play, then you might find it to be difficult, and both both answers are correct, in my yeah. opinion. So, uh, so I also wanted to bring something else, something else, something else reviewers at the time, well, one reviewer at least at the time mentioned, uh, didn't mention your thoughts on it. Um, one review of the game basically said basically that the game that that, that the main down that, that the main the main downside like about the game since it was ported to computers computers as well he was basically he was basically saying this game was designed first and foremost for console gamers console gamers have a short attention span than a short attention attention span that computer gamers do which I think was probably true That's in the fair. 90s. That's fair. But yeah, yeah. So. Um, so it's like nowadays, with everything being cross-platform and whatnot, you really don't see that anymore. But you know, like in those days, there was much. You guys were talking before in the podcast. There was a much sharper divide between console gamers and computer gamers. So it's like, yeah, um, it's like it's, it's like I think about it before I read it, but I'm like, but I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's got a point because it's like you know, console gamers tended to gravitate more toward games like this, and therefore, like, therefore, um, you know, um. Uh, and therefore, they. I mean, like you, I mean, you had RPGs and whatnot, which were like longer games, but 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 but, but those were niche. Those were always niche games during the '90s, anyway. So it's right. like, um, but yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's an interesting point. 
Yeah, and you got to figure, you know, most computer players, you know, they had the text-based games, and if they didn't have those, it was the point-and-clicks like Monkey Island. And so I completely get it. I completely get what he's saying there because he's right. Like, most PC games were more involved than what you would have on the console because if you tried to give something like Monkey Island on a console, which obviously wasn't able to at at that time but like if you were able to get that onto a console uh well maniac mansion there we go so the nes look how overlooked that game is and it's a fantastic game and it's a great port of what lucas arts did on the pc but point in case like people do not have the attention span to be able to sit down and play that game maybe but like, i love the nes version of maniac mansion personally but you know just like um, you know, it was the music alone that, uh, and I saw that game. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, this is a good segue to wrap things up. We were talking about it a little bit, but, um, how do you feel about this game now, now 2023, Joe? Do you think there's somebody who can still appreciate and appreciate enjoy this game now? Or is this more, like it's more of a game that's a product of its time? It definitely, well, well, definitely probably of its time, but it's like, is the, uh, is the fact it's a 90s game, do the downsides make the game unplayable, like unplayable like nowadays? <sighs> I could probably think of about 10 different shooters that I would rather play than Jungle Strike. And, you know, they're more modern, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think, you know... The targeting issues, um, the fact that it feels very slow and methodical, um, it, this is definitely a product of its time. Um, this was a this this would be considered new technology if you want to look at it that way. As far as consoles go, um, Desert Strike would have been like really the first one that kind of pushed that. This being the sequel, people are looking forward to the innovations to the gameplay and the you know, maybe the upgrade in the graphics or whatever. Um, I, I, in today's 2023 eyes, um, I, I look at this and I say, yeah, I'd rather play something else. (laughs) (laughs) I don't hate it because, you know, it's a decent game for what it is, but, uh, if you told me that I could play this or I could play, I don't know some other shooter like our type or whatever i'm gonna play our type yeah um i i agree with you partly um i think um i do think this game is very dated in many ways uh for the reasons like reasons that we talked about um again i would say that um again i would say as i as I often as I often as i often like seem to end up saying uh there is a certain group of people out there who I, um, I think would enjoy this game still. I obviously anybody, you know, anybody's a fan of Shrek series still who missed this one for whatever reason should definitely check it out for sure. Because, yeah. Uh, because I said I agree with you that so I agree with you that the, play, the, the PlayStation ones toward the end of the franchise are, are definitely the premiere, but Jungle Shrek is still an excellent game. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, as far as Shrek games go, um, helicopter-based shooter games are fairly rare even nowadays. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a few, there were, there were a few other games out there, such as like, you know, Airwolf for the NES, and like Evil Trader, like the NES, but, um, 
there weren't many many uh, helicopter-based game or shooter games of this type pair uh, this type. So uh, even nowadays, there still are. The, even nowadays, there still there still are not many. So right. um, I think if you're looking for like a good classic helicopter shooter game, this is the, this this the, yeah, this is also this is also a fine game to check out. Also, yes. Um, beyond that, though, I agree with you. Um, this again, this is a case of not the. Not the fault of the game itself, just like product, um, you you know, just a product of like thirty years having passed since then. Right. Um, with, with, with the fact that it's still it's still a perfectly fine, well designed, well programmed, well put together game that's still fun to play. Um, uh, I I'm sure it bursts, but unless you're, but I think that unless you fall into one of those two categories I talked about, uh, there are better shooters available on both Super NES and also other more modern systems yeah. uh, that can. That I could definitely take care of. Uh, um, they definitely do this. Like they do this better for you, which is a shame. You're just like, you know, I'd like to see what a modern, what a modern strike game, uh, flaming nowadays, they would look like. But yeah. because, you know, I think it would be like a fun game. But you know, EA has a habit of burying franchises, unfortunately, without doing anything with them for uh, um, uh, forever. So right. I, I think it's so. I think so. I think unfortunately, unfortunately, there's another one. There's another one that's locked away for like. Probably forever at this point. Um, you know, I never want to say, you know, you know, we don't want to say never say never, especially when it comes to games, because you know, you know, like Nintendo suddenly announced suddenly announced a nine nine multiplayer version of F Zero uh, out of nowhere last week. <laughs> right. So, but so which is also which, which is also which is also a franchise that have been dead for like a long time. Right. So with games, you never know. But I think. I'm probably safe in saying we're never uh, safe in saying we're never going to see an Australia game again. But having said that, I, having said that, I do think I do think that probably I agree with Joe. The last game, the last game of the series, uh, Urban Strike. Um, I'm sorry, uh, Nuclear Strike. Strike uh, Future Strike actually was the last one. Oh, okay. Uh, which is available on PC and PlayStation. Uh, if you can, uh, um, uh, uh, if you can play it, uh, it's probably like it's probably the best game in the series. Um, so. But anyway, yeah, this yeah, this is fun to play. Um, we um, uh, the before and after games, uh, uh, Desert Strike and Urban Strike also came on the Super NES, so we may cover those games at some point in the future too. So uh, to see how those ones compare, visit visit this one. But um, most reviews of the game, as uh, as I already mentioned, most reviews of the game back then like were pretty positive. Uh, the Super NES version did not rank. The Super NES version did not rank quite as high as the Genesis version, even though I think the two ports are very, very similar. And some people would argue the Super NES version is even better. Mm-hmm. But probably, probably it's because of the fact that the Genesis version came out first, and therefore, and therefore, whatever version of the game comes out first, that's kind of like your your like your like your like your breadwinner. That's your like your gold standard yeah, yeah. to compare to like compare everything else to. Genesis uh, game rankings gave Genesis version of the game eighty five percent, with Super NES version of the only seventy two percent. So, uh, but still, like I said, most of this game that came out back then were very positive. Um, so the game definitely, um, you know, the um, you know the game reviewed well, sold well. Um, probably a lot of people who play our generation, um, um, like around the nineties, probably played at least one like this right games. So. Um, you know, EA did say that about three million copies of the franchise sold, like so, um, uh, sold eventually. So, mm. uh, you know, decent sales. So, um, but anyway, uh, what uh, each each version of the game had different had different cheat codes and or tricks in, into it. Uh, for the Super NES version of the game, uh, there's not much, unfortunately. So. Um, there is a um, uh, 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 
the only thing present in this version of the game is the 10 lives code, uh, which is a password, which, which a password, which a password that you can use that, that you use that you use like start the game with. Mm. Uh, one, one password for the Japanese version, one version, uh, uh, one password for the U.S. and European version. Because I forgot to mention, the game, the game did get a, the game did get a worldwide release because of its popularity. So, uh, so it was released like in Japan, North America, like in Europe as well. So, uh, anyway, uh, Ten Lives Code definitely, definitely something I recommend using yes. using if you're a newbie starting out with because it will certainly help. Um, that and save seats, of course, but as long as you do it, as long as you do it, don't consider it like, like safe seats cheating. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so eBay, uh, game's fairly common to find on eBay, uh, because they said it's sold so pretty well. 59, 59 copies of the game, Lister has research, 69 copies of the game sold recently. Uh, prices, prices are pretty average for Super NES game, uh, you know, reasonable. Uh, again, uh, um, again, I think it's because of the high supply that's out there. So uh, these prices, um, these prices like include shipping. So um, the the card only versions of the game sold anywhere from anywhere from eleven dollars to forty six dollars. Okay, so it's not bad. Uh, CIB CIB sold anywhere from sold anywhere from fifty for fifty eight fifty to eighty two dollars. And for some reason, this game has an, for some reason this game has an usually high co- amount of sealed copies available. Uh, I found seven copies of the game that I saw recently that were all sealed uh, hmm. uh, in various conditions. And again, because that and again because that high amount, well, visit this sealed copies of the game. Like I said, usually you find one or two of them you're lucky, but yeah. seven's unusual. Because of that, sealed copies of the game sold for pretty reasonable prices, uh, um, anywhere from eighty three dollars to one hundred thirty dollars. Hmm. Okay. So yeah, yeah, eleven dollars for a cart. Um, Definitely a good price. So, you know, I have no problem paying that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, so as I mentioned before, uh, this game was included uh, in a collection, fighting collection that's on the PS, um, on the PSP. Uh, beyond that, if you want to play this, um, um, which actually is used, uh, let me confirm this thing real quick. I believe that version did use the Super Nintendo version of the game. Um, let me just, let me just see if I can confirm that, like, real quick. Uh... It may have used it may have used it may have used the Genesis version of the game since the Genesis version of the game is the original version after mm-hmm. all, and some people some people do consider it to be the most premier version. Uh, okay, yep, Genesis Genesis version of the game. Okay. So, um, but anyway, still. Um, so anyway, uh, that's that's Jungle Strike. You know, like uh, um, sorry, sorry, uh, Desert. Uh, yeah, yeah, Jungle yeah, Strike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, all these right games. It's like me confused at this point. Yep. So. Um, it's a good game for, for, for like reservations, I think. But um, you know, it definitely it's it definitely it, it hasn't aged well. I think in some some areas, definitely through like no fault of the game itself. Mm. But um, but anyway, so uh, yeah, we may check out the other Shrek games available on the system at some point in the future. Uh, Flex World Two. So I, I I never I never played this version of the game. So that this game was fun. Check fun. Check it out for sure. So. Um, do you have any final thoughts or anything you want to say about the game, Joe, before we like wrap up here? No, I think we've pretty much said it all. Okay. All right. So, uh, so anyway, uh, we always, um, you know, we always appreciate you listening to us as always. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, whatever, feel free to email us at, at the podcast.com or leave on our Facebook page. Uh, Joe, we're going to reach you at. You can find me on Twitter at J O E S U X 30. And uh, I have a very public Facebook. Not 
PG, um, and I do the Radical Retro Roundup podcast, which can be found at any wonderful place you listen to your podcast, including this one. Cool. Uh, yes, you've done some. You've done some pretty good work over there uh, recently, for sure. So oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> well, you're welcome. But uh, uh, next time we're staying with it. Uh, 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 on this podcast, we're staying with the theme of shooters. Um, we're just going in a very different direction with shooters this time, um, uh, this time as well. So um, we are looking at the one game. I, I don't know why only one game came out of Super NES in this franchise. After <laughs> research, 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 place we find out find out why because um, we're looking we're looking at the, we're looking at the one game for the system. The system the system that came out here. Uh, one of the one of the uh, uh, Paredes games. Uh, which is a which is a which is a which is a comedy slash parody version of the popular Gradius games uh, by Konami. Um, uh, the, the the one game that came on the system, and I, um, and I will do my best to pronounce it. Jiko uh, 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 Paredes is the is the exact is the, is the full name of the, the, the full name of the game that we're we're going to be covering. If you want to look at the game and or play it beforehand, so. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, a, read, that's a game that's like Gaiden or Gaiden. It's all depends on how you pronounce it. So some people do pronounce it as Parodius. Just uh, yeah. you know, I don't want people to be like, "What the hell is you talking about?" <laughs> it's the same way. Yeah, it's the same way I say Gradius. Gradius, Gradius. Like some folks say, like Gradius. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, it depends. So, but but yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, I've played many. Yeah, I played several of the previous games and enjoyed them. I never. I, um, you, you never played this one, so I'm curious. I'm curious to see how to see how to see how super how super Famicom version of it plays. Yeah, I'm so. I'm looking forward to it as well. Um, like I said, you know, while we were talking off mic. I've had experience with sexy Parodius on the PlayStation, and that's mm, yeah. that's really the extent of my experience. So to be able to uh, experience this one on the Super Nintendo is going to be fun for sure. Yes. So, but anyway, uh, thanks again as always for listening to us. Uh, we hope everybody out there stay safe, be well, and we'll see you again next time. Uh, take care, everybody. Later. Bye. Nintendo controls eighty percent of the video market. But no matter how you play the game, or which game you play, things definitely have come a long way since Pac-Man. Now you're playing with power. Deep power.